Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Stephen, he had been stoned as he stood up for the gospel, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, and he stood up for the gospel of Jesus, and they stoned him. Acts chapter 7, you know, Stephen's sermon is probably one of the uh, greatest sermons in all of the Bible as Stephen preaches and he's led by the Holy Spirit. The sermon was so powerful and the sermon was so impacting, the Bible says that it cut them to the heart. They were cut to the heart when they, when they heard that sermon. And I find that to be interesting, as we pointed out last week, might I again, that Stephen is, you know, he was assigned as a deacon in the church. He was assigned in a very, what we call a menial task in the church of working in the church cafeteria to serve tables. And here we have this man of God who is serving tables, who is able to speak the word of God with authority and with power. And he knew the Bible. He knew the word of God. And and I love that about Stephen because obviously he wasn't the kind of guy who was too important, too knew too much about the Bible to serve tables. You know, some folks in the church today, you know, if you, they in the seminary, some say cemetery, I say seminary. You know, you ask them to, hey, could you clean the church and in the bathrooms in the church. Oh, no, 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 no. I know too much of the word. You know, I'm too spiritual. I know God's word. When you're ready to take off a Sunday, let me know. You know, that kind of thing. Stephen wasn't like that. He just loved the Lord, served God wherever he was needed. And yet he knew the word. So powerful, so awesome, so amazing. And it cut to the heart. Of the listeners. They cut them so bad, the Bible says that they stopped their ears and they ran upon him. They took him and threw him out of the city and they stoned him. And you know the story because you were here last week. While that they were stoning Stephen, he was calling out to God and saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And the Bible says Stephen was being stoned and his face was glowing like an angel. And those that saw him and those that were stoning him, they, they, they began to lay their coats down. Remember we talked about it? They began to take off their coats and lay their coats down at the feet of one man named Saul. And I'll tell you something. Of course, we know this is Saul who is Paul. And, and, and I'll tell you something. This stoning of Stephen, this stoning of the cafeteria worker, affected Paul in such a way that his life was changed. The soul of Saul was changed all because of a cafeteria worker in the early church. Well, the story continues. Acts chapter 8, look at verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. 
Now Saul was consenting to his death. His who? Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution in verse 8 arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judah or Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And a devout man, those are God-fearing men, not necessarily the apostles, but God-fearing men, carried Stephen to his burial. And they made a great lamentation over him. They loved him. As for Saul, in verse 3, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, in verse 4, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip, what did he do? He went down to the city of Samaria. Circle that city name, Samaria, very important. And he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. What miracles? Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And in verse 8, saints, read it with me. There was great joy in that city. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. This Saul, we know him as Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, the Bible says, look at me, give me your attention, was consenting unto the death of Stephen. Now, this word consenting is really important. You might be misled to think that the word consenting means that he was agreeing to it. It doesn't necessarily mean that he was agreeing, Paul was agreeing to what was happening to Stephen. The word consenting literally means that he was casting his vote for it. Not only was he agreeing to it, but he was also casting his vote for it, which is important to us because casting your vote indicates, teaches us, tells us a little something of Saul, Paul, that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would be the Jewish Supreme Court. We know that because Saul was casting his vote for Stephen stoning. And as Saul cast his vote for Stephen stoning, listen, as you read through the New Testament, we can easily see, even at a high-level view, that it affected him. Remember I said it affected the soul of Saul, and he never forgot it. And over and over and over in the Scriptures, he tells us how he acted as it relates to the stoning of Stephen. If you're taking notes, Acts chapter 22, verse 4 tells us, I persecuted, Paul says, this way, speaking of the church, to death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. Acts chapter 22, verse 19 through 20. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then again in Acts chapter 26, verse 10 through 11, this I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And then one of my favorite scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 
Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent, insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, Paul, I love that. Paul says, listen, I did what I did to Stephen. And as you read through the New Testament, you get a sense that Paul regretted what he did. Have you ever in your life done something that you regret that you've done? You mean everybody's hands not up? <laughs> Somebody lying and you in church, all right? <laughs> Rewind. Eep. Have you ever done something in your life that, look at the hands going up already now. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Tough crowd this morning. I, look, I can freely, honestly, openly admit to you, confidently, boldly admit to you, there's been a lot of stuff in Pastor Rodney's life that I have done that I wish I had never done. But then as God began to work on my heart, as God has come into my life, as God has changed my life, changed my heart, then I've looked back over those things and I wish I had never done those things. And many of those things, I look back and I say, Lord, I, I, I was wrong, but yet I thank God for the grace of God. Because listen, if if it were not for the grace of God, I can say with Paul, as a matter of fact, I would argue with him. One, I'm the chief of sinners, number one. Two, I can say with him that, that I have obtained mercy even in the things that I have done wrong. God has been merciful to me. And I thank God for that. And God has counted me worthy to be in the ministry. I am who I am. I do what I do. I'm in the ministry not because I'm some great person. And don't shout me down with amens there, all right? <laughs> Y'all like, mm-hmm. Now we know that. But because God has enabled me to be in the ministry. I thank God that God has enabled me. I don't deserve to be in the ministry. I don't deserve to stand here and proclaim the word of God. I'm flesh and blood just like you and have the same struggles just like you. And have to pray and give victory over sin and over thoughts and over all of these things just like you. But it is God and his mercy, just like Paul said, I thank my God that he has counted me worthy. He's counted me worthy and put me in the ministry. And Paul would say to those as it relates to Stephen, Paul says, look at me. I hated Jesus. I hated the church. I hated anyone who had any part of the church. He says, I was there and I gave my consent when others were killing Christians. And yet it's the same Jesus who met me on the road to Damascus, Paul would say, and forgave me and saved me and filled me and anointed me and appointed me and enabled me to be in the ministry. And anyone who stands and preaches the gospel, it is God who has saved and anointed and appointed and enabled to be in the ministry. This is no work of man. It's a work of God. No man deserves to stand and preach God's word. It is God who enables a person to be in the ministry. And Paul knows that because he looks back over his life and he says, I blew it with Stephen. I don't know about you, but that should give you hope. He says, I blew it with Stephen. I messed up bad. He says, but God. But God, do you know you could do a whole sermon and preach several series on two words in the Bible? But God. Say amen, saints. But God. I did some really bad things in my life. But God. Rodney, you don't know I messed up on a previous marriage. But God. 
Rodney, you don't know my kids are messed up. Yes, I do. (laughs) But God. Amen, saints? But God. But God. (sighs) I, I, I love that because it gives me hope. It gives me hope. You know, it makes me think of that verse in, 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 in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost. God is able to save to the uttermost. You know that word, that phrase, save to the uttermost? It literally means that Jesus is able to save in the most comprehensive sense. He is able to save from all that humanity needs saving from. He is able to save completely and perfectly to the uttermost. It was Billy Sunday who said that Jesus was able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen, saints? He's able to save. And the most amazing thing about that is that Paul, as you search the scriptures, as you look through the Bible, Paul had a handle on grace. As you study through the scriptures, Paul had this amazing handle on grace. As a matter of fact, we know him. He starts to, as church history goes on, become known as the apostle of grace. Did you know, if you're taking notes, Paul uses the word grace over 120 times in the New Testament. 120 times he uses the word grace. Throughout the New Testament, we learn from Paul. Paul teaches us that grace is what saves us. Grace is what keeps us. Grace is the only thing that causes us to look forward to the kingdom. And you might think that John would be called the apostle of grace because, you know, from the gospel of John, John, he says in in his gospel, he says that Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. And you might think that John would be one to talk about grace because he knew Jesus as full of grace and full of truth. But in John's writings, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, and the gospel of John, do you know that John only mentions grace, get this, seven times? John only mentions grace seven times. Paul mentions grace 120 times. You know why? Because Paul experienced the grace of God in a way. You know, the Bible says to whom whom is forgiven much, he loves much continues to look back over what he did with Stephen, and Paul continues to look upon that grace. Where Stephen, where John, he only mentions grace seven times. Paul mentions it 120 times. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter describes God's grace as the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. The word manifold, if you're taking notes, it literally means very colored. Very colored all different tones and hues. Now, ladies, you understand that. Different tones and hues. See, guys, we don't relate to hues. And I said, honey, what color is that? Well, that's kind of a a blue-gray with a purple hue. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't, men don't understand hues. Well, sweetie, what color is that? Oh, it's mauve. What is mauve? That's not a color. Look, if it isn't in the Crayola crane box, we don't know what it is, ladies. Say amen, fellas. Did you notice that weak amen from the fellas? Their wife's sitting right there. You, you better not say nothing. 
say something. But I mean, I, I, Hugh, what is, what, what is mauve? I mean, what is mauve? Mauve, that sounds like pocket lint to me. You know what I mean? It's like, what if, oh, oh, here's some mauve, you know. What's mauve? But see, ladies, they understand Hughes. Peter, he understood the manifold, the very colored grace of God. See, Peter understood it because Peter had one of those multicolored personalities. Peter did. I mean, Peter, one minute he was mad. The next minute he's chopping people's ears off. The next minute, you know, he's crying. The next minute he's cursing a little girl out. So Peter appreciated the very colored grace of God. Paul talks about his grace, that God's grace has worked in his life. And so now in our text, Saul is wreaking havoc of the church and the church is being scattered throughout and scattered abroad. Now, this word scattered abroad is a very important word. If you're taking notes, it's the diaspora. It's spelled D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A, the diaspora. And it actually comes from two Greek words, dia, which means to throw, and spora, which means to sow or to scatter seed. It means to cast or to throw as seed. So you could translate this verse, they were all seeded throughout the region in verse 1. They were all seeded throughout the region. It's kind of like a picture of a dandelion and, you know, like a breeze comes by and you kind of blow on a dandelion. It just kind of goes all over and, you know, the seeds just go everywhere. Well, at this point, that's what's happening to the church. The church is being seeded into Judea and Samaria. Now, watch this. Stay with me very closely here. Remember Acts chapter 1? Were you with us for our study in Acts 1? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem until they be uh, endued or, or receive power from on high. And that they were to stay in Jerusalem and to be witnesses. First of all, he said in Jerusalem, remember, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. You remember that? Acts 1, 8. We'll look at it. Acts 8, 1. Do you see that? It's happening here in Acts 8.1. That seems like a Holy Spirit thing to me. Acts 1.8, Jesus prophesied Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts. And then Acts 8.1, we see it actually happening. Man, you know, the Holy Spirit, he makes things easy for us, doesn't he? He knows we don't get it very often, so he gives us like these little associations, you know? Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1, we see that happening as the church is going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria in this chapter. And you want to notice something here. The reason the church is moving out of Jerusalem is because of persecution. And if it wasn't for the persecution, they would never have gone out. At this time in Acts chapter 8, the church is about six years old. It's still a baby church. I believe that if it were not for this persecution that God is using Saul to persecute the church, if it were not for this persecution, the church would have never made it out of Jerusalem because we like to get comfortable, because we like to stay planted. So we can see that God is using the persecution to move the church so that he can fulfill the prophecy of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God is moving them through pain. Did you know 
that God often moves people by pain. You know, the harsh reality is that sometimes God has to move us by pain to get us to the place that we are supposed to be. Amen, saints? Sometimes God has to let us go through trials and discomfort before he can get our attention. I mean, even here this morning, many people in this church, God has moved you, brought you into this church. You have come to this church. You have started going back to church because of some trial, difficulty, discomfort, pain in your life. Many of you here this morning, I mean, you've come up to me in times past and said, you know, I, I hadn't been going to church, but this began to happen and that began to happen. And so I decided to start going back to church. God many times moves people using this tool of pain. Now, I realize that this is not a popular message in the church. In the church today, they tell you, you know, if you've got pain in your life, I mean, if there's any pain in your life or there's any persecution in your life, you need to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, rebuke that thing because that ain't of the Lord. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Listen, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, and the Bible is very clear, many times God will use pain and difficulty in your life to move you to a certain point. God will use pain, difficulty, circumstances, discomfort in your life to move you from one place to another because he has a ministry for you to do. And how many times in your life have you gotten to a place in your life, like over here, where God, something happened, something happened in church, something happened with the people of God, something happened with your job, and you go, man, I don't understand what's going on. That just is weird. I don't understand it. I have no clue what's going on. You know, we're going to have to move to this place or this location or maybe even to another church. You get over to that place or that location, and God begins to use your life, and God begins to bless you, and then all of a sudden you look at that and you go, you know what? I didn't understand what the pain and the difficulty was all about over here, but now I understand it. See, I can see God's plan and God's purpose in my life here where I couldn't see it there. And now, you know, that verse that says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now you can say that verse with confidence. And now you can say with that verse, you can say, I know all things work together because I can't see God's plan. I can't see God's purpose over here. But God many times will use pain to move you in a different direction. Amen, saints? He will do that. God is smarter than we are. Amen. And he knows the end from the beginning. So God, even here in the New Testament church, he's using pain. He's using this unpleasant circumstance to move the church. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Don't you love that? A guy by the name of J.I. Packer said, God uses chronic pain and weakness along with other afflictions as his chisel for sculpting our lives. Cripple him and you have a Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in a, in a prison cell and you have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt, burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again. And you have Glenn Cummings, who set the world's one mile record in 1934. Deafen him and you have a Ludwig 
von Beethoven. Have him or her born black in a society filled with racial discrimination, and you have a Booker T. Washington, Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver. Life is about 20% in what happens to us and 80% in the way we respond to it. God uses difficulty and pain to bring about his purpose. You understand? Say amen. amen. And that's huge because you need to know that when it does happen. Well, you, Rodney, I've, you know, I've been a Christian now for, for a year and I've never had any difficulty. Just wait. It's coming. It's called being a Christian. Amen? God uses well. Saul persecuting the church, trying to stamp the church out, trying to stamp out the fires of faith. And you know what? I bet you, I wonder if Satan about this time, because Saul is persecuting the church, if Satan about this time is kind of standing back and saying, aha, oh, I remember all that talk about the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. (laughs) Satan is probably standing back laughing. He's thinking he got victory over the church. But, you know, I see Satan as Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Y'all remember the Roadrunner? Wiley, raise your hand. I'm a big Roadrunner fan. I mean, I, I love it. And you remember Wiley Coyote, every time he did something, the Acme Company showed up. <laughs> Where did they come from in every episode? It was like crazy. And then the Acme, and every time that Wiley Coyote would try to do something or, or try to, you know, trap the Roadrunner, and then, and then the Roadrunner would always thwart the plan. And he just kind of come back, you know, and he's got to try to set TNT. And, you know, and then he, he thought the plan. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.